marriage is amazing. Let me just tell you. I love being married. I, I will say this without any question, uh, that aside from God revealing himself in the way of salvation and my understanding of that and the gift that he has given to me in that way of salvation, my relationship to my wife is the greatest gift that God has given to me. Um, I love her and I enjoy being married uh, immensely. I think she does too, um, most days. Um, but uh, I, I had to go to her and I said, look, I don't want you to be offended, Mandy. Um, because if I teach on Sunday and I teach this passage passionately, it reflects not negatively on you in any way, shape, or form. The title of our lesson this morning is The Benefits of Singleness. The Benefits of Singleness. Marriage is amazing. It's great. Um, Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Um, God created and instituted marriage. He's the one that created that institution. And the two main reasons that he did that was to provide companionship, um, human companionship. So we did in Genesis chapter 2 for Adam and Eve. And then secondly, God designed marriage to provide a picture um, of our relationship with him. That's what our uh, marriage is. It's a picture of our relationship with God. Um, it's an earthly picture um, of the spiritual relationship that exists between Christ, who is the bridegroom, and, the, and his church, who is the bride. That's, that's what marriage is. So every day, our marriage, Mandy and I's marriage, is a physical example of that relationship. And genuinely, a marriage is a witness and a testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what a marriage is supposed to be. Um, but when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, Paul begins to talk about the benefits of singleness. Now, in his discussion about marriage, which we've talked about marriage and singleness, Paul has made it clear uh, that neither state is spiritually better one than the, uh, over the other. Just because someone is married doesn't mean that they're more spiritual or less spiritual. And just because somebody is single doesn't mean that they are more or less spiritual. Um, the Roman Catholic Church teaches something different to that. They talk about the fact that celibate priests and nuns uh, are more devoted and more spiritual than someone else. And that's not the truth. Um, being married or single has nothing to do uh, with a person's spirituality. Spirituality is based on obedience to God, obedience to his word. That's what it is. Um, now, there's many books written, uh, conferences, articles, programs today that are focused on marriage, uh, the biblical standards for marriage, how a marriage works, how to repair your marriage, how to grow your marriage. Um, and many of those are excellent and helpful. But much less attention is given to someone that is single. That's not a focus. In fact, most of the time, the information that's given uh, to those that are 
single, a lot of the literature and programs uh, are directed towards helping them cope with being single until they can get married. Paul addresses this and he blows that mindset out of the water. Paul talks about the fact that there is a benefit to being single above being married. Now, I assume that most of the people in this room are single. There are definitely married people in this room. But if you're in high school, chances are you're single. May not apply to everybody, but I'm assuming that it does. So um, there's a couple of mindsets that I want you to enter this with. Most of the time when we hear Paul talk, we think, okay, he's just talking about uh, being set apart as single this really is just for people that are involved in ministry. That is not the case. If you are not married, you are single, and this applies to you. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you are a freshman, sophomore, junior, singer, sen uh, senior, singer, singer, a senior, uh, if you are in college, if you are an adult, any of those things, it does not matter. This applies to you. Um, I think a lot of times, and we'll get to this more in our application, a lot of times we get so focused on wanting something that we overlook where we're at, having that the grass is greener on the other side type mentality. Um, we do that in business, with jobs, with relationships, without having a relationship, and we think, man, I cannot wait to get married. There's nothing wrong with desiring marriage. But we want to capitalize, and I encourage you to have the mindset of capitalize on the state that God has you in right now, and that's the state of being single. There are benefits that you have above what someone, someone that's married has in the state that you're in, in being single. There are benefits, and that's what Paul wanted to address, and that's what Paul wanted to talk about. So there's six things in this passage. It's a rather long passage. Um, we're going to read through each portion of it as we, instead of reading the whole thing, we're going to read through each portion as we get to it. But there's really six things that he addresses in this passage about the benefits of being single. So point number one is the pressures of the world. The pressures of the world. One of the benefits to being single is how you deal with the pressures of this world. It starts out in chapter 7, verse 20, uh, 25. It says, now concerning virgins. Now when it uses that term virgins, what he's addressing is they're assuming that that is talking about single people, people that are single. Um, it also, and he addresses and kind of breaks this down too, there's those that were married and are now single. This applies to them. If you have never been married, this applies to you. Um, if you were married and there, whether you are divorced or your spouse died or whatever, then this applies to you, you're single. So. The, now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who, by the mercy of the Lord, is trustworthy. 
I think then that it is good in view of the present distresses that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. So the principle here is that it is good to remain as one who is in those, as those in view are virgins, including both men and women. The view is it's better to remain single. Paul points out that Jesus gave no direct teaching in regards to whether you should get married or whether you should not get married. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of who in here would want to get married because then you're a target. I don't want to do that. But I assume most people want to get married. Now, some people do not have that desire, and that is great. There is nothing wrong with not wanting to get married, not having that desire. Just because, and let me point out, this is kind of like a sidebar statement. People that are married, like me, I love marriage. I enjoy my marriage. Marriage is a blessing. So in my mind, most people that are married, what do they want? They want that for you too. So they have the mindset of, oh, uh, you need to get married. Sam, man, we got to find you somebody. You have that mindset. You will face that pressure, okay? It's coming. And it's just because people love what they have and they want you to have it too. But that's right, it is sweet. Um, so that, that's, that's the, the mindset of people that are married. They want to convey that joy to you. <clears throat> Paul's saying, hey, time out. God instituted it. It is great. It is wonderful. But let me tell you, there are benefits to you being single. And if God has gifted you with singleness, then there are benefits that are going to apply to you that do not apply to someone that is married. Because just because you're married doesn't mean that every single day is sugar plums and roses and Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It's not that way. Marriage is a lot of work. It's hard. There are challenging times. It takes a lot of effort. And there's benefits that he talks through. So the <clears throat> as he starts out in the first two verses, 25 through 27... He's talking about the fact that this is not necessarily a command that the Lord gave, um, oh, even though he alludes to it in Matthew 19 about those that are set apart as eunuchs. Um, yet the apostles' teaching is no less divine or authoritative. He's not saying this is what you have to do. It's not a command. I have no command of the Lord. He's not saying God says this is what you're to do. Um, he says, as an apostle who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy... Paul's conviction was that it is better for single Christians to remain single if they have that gift from God. If God has not given them the desire for marriage, and, and you sit there and you go, how do I know if God has given me the gift of singleness? If you do not desire to be married, you probably have a gift of singleness. If you strongly desire to be married, you probably do not have the gift of singleness. It's pretty simple. Where's your heart? What are your desires? Now, we're going to get more to those desires in our application at the very end. But uh, it is an authoritative guideline, thoroughly dependable advice that is being given by Paul. 
And it's stated twice in verse 26 to be good. It is good to remain single. Paul uh, and the Lord are saying that singleness makes good sense. The first reason that Paul gives for remaining single is the pressures of the system, the world situation of the day, what he called the present distresses. So distress means a stress, a calamity, or sometimes the means of calamity. Because of calamity, because of stresses, it's better to remain single. So what is he talking about? What does that mean? Um, some people, some commentaries talked about the fact that when you become a Christian, now there becomes a natural additional stress that's created as Satan sets himself against you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and as a witness and a testimony of him. So there's distresses that come because of that natural conflict with the world as a believer. And that is true. That, that is definitely true. But probably what's being talked about here is not just as a believer in general the distresses of this world because of your position in Christ and Satan's desire to destroy you. He's probably talking more about the present distresses in the world. In the world. Um, Paul experienced a lot of calamity, a lot of distresses. Um, Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was falsely accused. He was imprisoned. All these things happened (coughs) to Paul, and they were distresses that he faced. He probably had a pretty good understanding that if he had been married, the impact that it would have created in his heart and in his emotions as he's going through these things and the impact that it would have in his wife and potentially children as he's going through these things. As he's been beaten and shipwrecked and falsely accused, he would be sitting there thinking, how is this going to affect my wife and my children and the distress that it's going to put on them? How is, who's going to, if, if I'm falsely imprisoned, who's going to take care of my wife? Who's going to provide for her? Who's going to teach and train my children? Who's going to, you see what I'm saying? There's, some, there's a mindset that someone that is married is going to have in distress and in pressures that someone that's single will not. And Paul had a mindset of, as a believer in Jesus Christ and as a representative of Jesus Christ, you are to be about service to the Lord. And so if you are to be about service, and Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they hurt me, they're going to hurt you. He knew pressures were going to come. And Paul may have seen the evidence of that happening in what was going on in his life. Within 10 years of Paul writing this letter, Nero came to power in Rome. And if you've read history, you understand that Nero was a wicked, wicked, wicked man that hated Christians. He took abuse and calamity and persecution of Christians to the next level. They would tie Christians in sacks of animal 
skins and throw them out to the dogs and they would just destroy them. They would dip people into wax in their clothes and then light them on fire to light the palace for Nero. Just horribly wicked man. As a single person, there's an emotional way that you can handle this different than somebody that is married. When you are married, your concerns are about your spouse, their emotions, what's they're going, what they're going through, what's the impact to them. As a single person, you do not have that pressure. And it is a pressure. It is something that you have to deal with and you have to handle as a, as a married person. <coughs> Can you grab me a water? Sorry, I'm dealing with the same thing that Tom was dealing with last week, apparently. So, um, so he was saying that there's distresses in this world that are coming, that it is going to be a benefit to you to be single, to deal with these stresses. Um, Paul seemed to sense that coming persecution that was going to happen. Thank you, sir. And that being single was going to have a benefit. Now, persecution is difficult enough for a single person. It's difficult for a married person. But the problems and pain are multiplied for one who is married. And we talked about that. The fact that you're going to be fearful about what's going to happen to your wife and kids. You're going to be fearful about emotional distress that it's going to put them under. You're going to be fearful and worried about all these different things that you don't have to worry about if you're single. Those who are already married, however... Or must not seek to be released. Paul didn't want the Corinthians to hear this and go, oh, it's better to be single? See you, Mandy. I'm out. He said it's better to be single. I'm going to go be single. No, that is not the, what, he's, what he's talking about. For those that have the gift of singleness, therefore it is much wiser to remain single. And he says, are you released from a wife? If there is a cause for separation, whether by death, or by a non-believer has left you as a believer, they've divorced you, or whatever has happened, or adultery has taken place and it's a divorce. If you are single and it's a rightful divorce, he's saying, do not seek a wife. Stay single. Because Paul had the purpose of, we're here to serve the Lord. We're here to be at work for him. And if that's our ultimate goal, you have a much better opportunity to do that effectively and without hindrances by being single instead of being married. So number one was a benefit to being single was the pressures of this world, the way it affects a single person. Number two is the problems of the flesh. The problems of the flesh. Verse 28 says, but if you should marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin should marry, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. Paul again makes it clear that it is not a sin for single believers to get married. Not a sin at all, not a bad thing. It is a good thing that God created and instituted. Uh, and get married as long as it is to another believer. That is the criteria. Now, 
even those with the gift of singleness do not sin if they get married. I think this is important to say. If you go, I don't know if I have the gift of singleness or not. I think maybe I do. And then you get married. It's not sin. It is not sin to get married as long as it's to another believer. Not sin. So if you should marry, for whatever reason, you have not sinned. The point is that marriage is a legitimate option, but it is good to consider first the option of singleness. It is first better to consider the option of singleness. Now, I have to confess that I really never, when I was younger, put it on the table of, Lord, do you have it in as part of your plan for me that I should stay single? I never had that mindset, that attitude. I wanted to be married. That was a desire that I had. And I confess that as not putting God first and not confessing like, hey, I need to make sure that my heart and my mind are right before you first. Instead of just going, this is what I want. The negative part is now my mindset and my focus was just on, okay, but I just want to get married. Instead of God has me single, let me glorify him and seek to be obedient to him as a single person where he has me right now. And that's what I would encourage you towards is every one of you that is single, allow God to be glorified in your life as a single person right now until the day comes that you potentially get married. And if not, as Paul says, it is a blessing and a better thing for you to be single with the mindset of eternity and of mindset of service to the Lord. It's a good thing. So, he says in this passage, yet such will have trouble in this life and I'm trying to spare you. The Apostle Paul is giving practical advice, not a moral or spiritual command. He's not saying this is what you have to do. Believers are still sinful and subject to limitations and weaknesses of the flesh, whether you are married or single. It, both sides happen. It's hard enough for a sinner to live with himself, let alone live with another sinner, because that's what's happening when you get married. Mandy and I are both sinners. I know that comes as a major shock for you to hear that about Mandy. But she is. And so am I. And you know what? When we get married, we bring our sinful desires, attitudes, actions, responses, being angry or self-centered or unorganized, which apparently is a sin. No, it is. No, it is. Um, we bring that into our marriage. And now you've got two sinners that are together living and trying to coexist. Whereas as an individual sinner, you can work on your relationship before the Lord and these things. Gratefully, the Lord uses other people in our life, that iron sharpening iron, our spouses, our family, our friends, fellow believers, accountability groups, small groups, those people help us work on those areas. 
Um, when two people are bound together in marriage, the problems of human nature are multiplied. They are multiplied. There's definitely things that come up and you have to deal with that you wouldn't have to deal with as somebody that's single. Uh, close living allows us to see our partner's faults more clearly and vice versa. Those cl- faults come out. Um, children of Christian parents are born sinful just as every child is. And they do not become sinless when they are saved. Those things still compound. Um, it is not that marriage is not rewarding. It is. It is amazing. I love being married. Or that family life is in uh, uninterrupted trouble. It's not that. A loving, devoted, spiritual family not only is a great joy and strength to its members, but also strengthens and blesses those around it. Paul is simply pointing out that marriage may cause some problems, uh, may cause some problems while it solves some other ones. Understand, just because you get married doesn't mean that all your problems are solved and now you have everything in the world that you want. Marriage takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. There are definitely blessings to marriage, but there are things that you have to deal with that you wouldn't deal with as a single person. It is not intended by God to resolve all personal, emotional, or spiritual difficulties. That's not what marriage does. It can, in fact, actually intensify some of them. That word trouble that's used in this passage means pressed together or under pressure. That's what that word means. Marriage presses two people together. Um, in the closest of possible ways. Um, scripture says that the two actually become one. They have been melded together like two pieces of metal. And they become one. That's what happens. Each partner brings into that relationship some degree of anger and selfishness and dishonesty and forgetfulness and thoughtfulness, thoughtlessness. And I mean, those things happen. That is true of even the best marriages. Um, And there's going to be challenges. The benefit to being single is you're not having to go through some of the challenging parts of marriage that are out there. That's what Paul's talking about. You don't have to go through that process. Um, Because marriage does involve conflicts and challenges and sacrifices and adjustments and modifications to your life. Uh, marriage is ordained of God, good, holy, fulfilling, but it does not solve all your problems. It doesn't. In fact, it actually brings you different ones. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out, and it's kind of alluded to in this passage, is one of the benefits to marriage is God created marriage, that to be the place where you are sexually active. Okay? And... When you get into high school, those desires begin to erupt and get more in you. Like, hey, you're no- guys are noticing girls, and girls are noticing guys, and they think that's natural. You're gonna, you, that's the way God made us. But the fulfillment of sexual desires is to be in marriage only. That's the way God intended it. 
That's the way God created it. And outside of that, it is sin. Be mindful of the fact that sexual purity in your minds and sexual purity in your hearts before the Lord should be your goal, should be my goal, everyone's goal. Your challenges in the areas of sexual purity do not go away just because you get married. Just because you get married and now you can be involved in a physical relationship does not mean that you're not going to have challenges in your thought life or be of not have any sexual challenges. Marriage does not solve that. That is something that is solved in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing of your sin and getting your heart right before the Lord and being obedient to his revealed word. And that is a focus of a single person. Should be. And it has got to continue to be a focus for a married person. So, number two was the problems of the flesh, the challenges that we face there. Number three was the passing of this world. Verses 29, so number three is the passing of the world. Verses 29 through 31 read, But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that, now, that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as, those, uh, as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as those who did not possess, and those who use the world as those they did not make full use of it. For the form of this world is passing away. This was a very challenging passage or part of this passage for me to get my head wrapped around. What is he talking about here? What is he saying? The focus of this passage of these three verses is at the very end. When it says the mode of this world is, the, this world is passing away. That's the focus Although God ordained and blessed marriage, and blessed marriage is not an eternal relationship. And as I went through this, this was really hard for me to get my heart wrapped around. Um, in fact, I, in talking with Mandy, I said, this makes my heart hurt to talk about this. Is the fact that marriage is not permanent. Even as much as I love my wife enjoy my wife and grateful for my wife. I view the, the fact that God put Mandy and I together as the greatest blessing that he's given me apart from his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the greatest gift in my life is my wife, Mandy. That relationship, according to scripture, is not permanent. It's not eternal. And I was like, Man, that is hard for me to think about. It's hard for me to get, like, I don't. So finally, and I'm just going to say this, I did get to the point when we were talking about it was the fact that this is, the, this is where my joy is. God loves me more than I love myself. He wants good for me more than I want good for myself. And I want good for myself a lot. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. He loves me so much that he's willing to die for me. 
God has a plan and a purpose, an eternity plan for me. If he loves me so much that he gave me the relationship with my wife that he gave to me, when, I, when we hit eternity, it's going to be something even better. It's not saying that we won't have a relationship. But marriage, the point of marriage, the testimony of Jesus Christ and the church, Christ and the church is not needed anymore. And that's the main purpose of marriage. It is a witness and a testimony of Jesus Christ and the church. So that means the relationship that the relationships that God gives to me will be better than the ones that I have here. And he wants good for me, so it's going to be better than I have to put my faith and trust in him that he's got it and it's going to be better. So that was hard for me to get my head wrapped around because I love my wife and I want I love my marriage. And I want it to last. And she might be going, I cannot wait for heaven to come. We can see what this better relationship is. <laughs> so, um, but this world is passing away. That word time refers to a fixed amount of time. Time is definitely limited. Human life is brief. And we're in a marriage for a very brief period of time. In light of eternity, it is a very brief period of time. For husbands and wives to live as though they had none, when it says that, does not teach that marriage is no longer binding on believers or that their marital responsibilities are reduced in any way, shape, or form. Marriage lasts only for life. That's it. And is therefore as brief as life. Paul is teaching that marriage should not reduce a Christian's obligation and devotion to the Lord and to his work. The responsibility of marriages are no excuse for slacking in the Lord's work. That is to invert the priorities. So here's the gist of this passage. When it's talking about this, we are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. We are called to be witnesses and testimonies of Jesus Christ. We are called to do those things. Well, here's the thing. When you are married, your priorities change. And we now have chosen to put our spouses as a priority. In a, in a focus. In a way that a single person does not have to divide their priorities and divide their purposes. I now have to think about when I need to get up, like, I'll, t I'll tell you this. It was a realization. When Mandy and I got married, great. When we had Davis, this realization hit me of I am responsible for the providing for and the good of Mandy and Davis and then eventually Faith. Like, that's my responsibility as a husband and as a father. And I knew it mentally, but man, it hit me like, whoa. So that desire to get up and go to work, my desire to make money, my desire to provide definitely took a very, like it became a focus. Now, that is a good thing because that's what scripture says I'm supposed to do. I'm to provide for and take care of my wife and kids. That's my responsibility. 
But now my focus is on that. And I have to divide my focus onto that plus loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. I'm to be focused on being a witness and a testimony. I'm supposed to be focused on ministry. But I have these responsibilities that a single person does not. You, as a single person, are able to focus your priorities completely on God. And not on a marriage. That is a benefit in service to the Lord. In divided energies and efforts. I have to focus on fluffing the pillows on the couch each time I get up. No, I'm kidding. That was just, that's something I've learned to do, and now I'm actually obsessive about it. It's kind of crazy. I used to, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to talk about how dirty my place was when we got married. Um, I'm definitely better in that area. Let's just put it that way. Not there yet, but I'm better. Um, a married person divides, cannot focus on ministry. They're going to be divided. They, their affections, your affections are changed. The primary affections of all Christians, whether they're married or single, should be set on the things above, not on the things on this earth. Um, according to Colossians 3, 2, it says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the world is passing away and all its lusts, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. That's 1 John 2, 15 and 17. We must understand the priority of the eternal over the temporal. There is a benefit to being single. Your focus is completely on the things of God, not on the things of this world. Your emotions get split. The way you deal with emotions, um, when he talks about as though they did not weep and as those who rejoice and those who did not rejoice, he's talking about emotions. Emotions are more controllable uh, than we sometimes think, especially for Christians. We do not, uh, we are not to be emotionless and certainly not hard-hearted or indifferent, but when you are married, your emotions have got to be focused on your spouse. And instead of focusing your emotions on being a vessel for God's use. Uh, your finances and possessions, your attitude towards those things change when you're married versus single. Um, MacArthur's commentary says about this, it says, but human relationships, emotions, possessions, and pleasures become sinful when they dominate thought and behavior, and especially when they detract us from the Lord's work. We are to hold marriage in the highest honor, according to Hebrews 13, 4, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep and not despise earthly possessions. Our Heavenly Father knows that we need all these things but we should not overvalue those things knowing that they are all passing away. As a married person, you are commanded to put focus onto those things. As a single person, you have the freedom to not have to put the focus on those things, but instead to be focused on things that are eternal 
in service to the Lord and being a vessel for his use and a witness and a testimony of Jesus Christ in a way that somebody that's married is not. Number four is the preoccupation of marriage. The preoccupation of marriage. It says in verse 32, it says, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord, but one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. The fourth reason for staying single is the preoccupation of, that marriage brings. Both husbands and wives are concerned about the things of the world. There's a level of concern about the things of the world as a married couple that you have that somebody that's single doesn't have to have. They are concerned about the earthly needs of each other uh, as they should be. The husband is concerned about how he may please his wife, how he can take care of his wife, how he can provide for his wife, not just financially, but physically and emotionally. That's the goal. I'm called as a husband to love Christ, uh, love my wife as Christ loved the church. Well, he did an incredible job of loving the church, an amazing job. And I am to strive to do that for her every day. And then she is called to submit to me as we as a church are, and individuals are to submit to God. It's a, it's a relationship that God is a beautiful picture of that of Christ and the church that he has created, but it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of focus. The husband is concerned about how he can please his wife. The wife is concerned about how she can please her husband. The one who is unmarried uh, is concerned about the things of the Lord and how she can be of service to him, how she, how she can please the Lord and she, how she can be uh, holy both in body and spirit. But the married person interests are divided. There's a division of interests that we have to have as married people that you as a single person do not have to have. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is contrasted by single or divorce and, is, and, and are able to be holy in body and spirit. Holy is used here in its basic sense of separation as being set apart. That's what we're called to be. Married Christians should not feel guilty about being married, and unmarried Christians should not feel guilty about getting married. The apostle is not trying to add to the burdens, to the cares that married per, uh, persons already have, and he is not trying to force single believers into the permanent mold of singleness. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, he says, but to promote what is seemly and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Number five, the promises of fathers. The promises of fathers. It says, but if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly towards his virgin daughter, if she should be of full age, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let her marry. But he who stands firm in his heart be under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided with his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter. He will do well. 
So then, both he who gives his virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. Confusing passage, but it's pretty basic and pretty easy. Back in that time, there were arranged marriages, and a father would arrange a marriage for his daughter. And he's saying, hey, here's the thing. If a da- if a, as these Corinthians were becoming believers, they would say, hey, it's better that my daughter remain single for service to the Lord. So he would make a vow and say, my daughter's going to remain single. But then she would get to the point that she'd be like, I desire to be married. I don't have the gift of singleness, Dad. I want to be married. I like Jacob. I want to marry him. That's what Faith said. So... Um, and I was like, I made a vow. You got to stay single. Sorry. No. Um, but he was saying, what he's saying is if it's okay to break that vow, because it's not a vow for yourself. It's a vow for your daughter. It's okay. If she desires to be married, it's okay for you to allow her to be married. I'm kind of going through this one quick so that we can get onto the last points, but that is in essence what it was saying. But if she stays single, it's a better thing. And you do well doing it. If she consents to it and says, you know what, yes, then you can hold her to that with her, constraint, with her willingness to go along with it and say, yes, that's what I want. So that you are supporting her in her desire to be single. So that's the benefit that comes, the promises of fathers. Number six is the permanency of marriage. The permanency of marriage. It says a wife is bound as long as her husband lives But if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I also have the Spirit of God. What he was saying is, it's better to, if your husband or wife passes away, stay single. That's what my mother-in-law ended up doing after my father-in-law passed away. Martha stayed single. She decided that that's the desire that she had, that she was going to remain that way. And it's interesting that he says, I I liked what he said, I have the spirit of God as well at the very end. There were definitely people that were saying that statement, I think that I have also the spirit of God. Um, It actually strengthens his point. Um, He kind of says it with a bit of sarcasm uh, that he was saying he too had access to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I think there were a lot of people that were saying, well, the Holy Spirit's telling me this. And the Holy Spirit, I should get married. I should not get married. I should do this. And he's like, I think I have access as well to the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just kind of saying that I think that this is, let me share this information. Paul's desire, think about this. Paul's desire was the edification of the church. He desired to build up believers, to create in them the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul desired. So when he shared this, he was sharing this from his heart as an apostle of Jesus Christ, saying, let me tell you, let me encourage you. Yes, God created marriage, and it's a wonderful thing, but there is a blessing and a benefit that you have as single people that someone that's married does not. So let me ask you three quick questions in the application. Number one, Are you diligent and are you being diligent to be content where God has you today? God is sovereignly and providentially in control of all things. 
If God wanted me to be a billionaire today, guess what? He could make it happen. If he wants you to be married, he can make it happen. But are you content being single? Are you focused on being content? Are you purposed? That's what Philippians 4.13 is talking about. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about I can be content in any situation that God has me. Are you focused and diligent to be content? It's an act of your heart, your emotions, your mind, and your will to be content. It's something you purpose to. Number two, are you willing to submit your future plans for marriage or singleness to God's sovereign plan? I challenge you to do that, to submit it to God in prayer. Uh, If you desire to be married, ask God to help you have a mindset of singleness while you are single. To enjoy the benefits and the joys of singleness. And to be used by him until the day comes that he chooses to bring a partner into your life for marriage. But capitalize and enjoy being single while you are single for the glory of God. Number three, and lastly, are you praying for God to use you today as a single man or woman? That kind of goes hand in hand with being content, and it kind of goes hand in hand with submitting your your future to the Lord and be praying to God about that. But are you praying to God to use you today? God, give me contentment, but then use me as a single person. I'm a vessel. You are a vessel for his use that is unique and wonderful and useful in a way that someone that is married is not. So be mindful of that. God has, you have a, you have an advantage be used by God in that advantage. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the encouragement that we received from Paul today through, your, uh, through scripture. Father, we pray that you would just give us a heart to be content where we are. That, Father, you would allow those that are single to uh, recognize the blessing and the benefit that they have um, that in the, being in the position that you have them. Father, we do pray for contentment uh, in the situation that we're in, that, Father, you would allow us to see that you are sovereignly and providentially control of all things and that you desire to show yourself strong on our behalf. Father, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you um, for your teaching and training in our lives, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.